we are back for our post Die Hard on a Blank uh, podcast run. Uh, what What is up, Mike? What's going hey, on in the background? Because you got it's movie uh, marathon. <laughs> movie mar- it's movie marathon. That's the name of the podcast. And you've got evil and a dumpster on your background. <laughs> <laughs> well, since since uh, we're doing a canon movie, I thought I, that's a good point. That's I, a good tie-in. And for whatever reason, I am not. I am so technologically inept in my old age. I cannot uh, save a picture from the internet and make it a background <laughs> that I had to just reuse an old one. <laughs> Um, well, I'm using, uh, Chuck Norris because I could barely remember to do that right before, right while we were on the call <laughs> and mine's even got a watermark from somebody else. So which is I'm going to be honest, the whole podcast, when I look at your background, it's going to make me angry because I should be able to buy a goddamn toy of that motorcycle. It I want to buy the travesty. I motorcycle. Cannot. I think, well, it's a Suzuki's like, uh, S600, no, but I want like I the action figure of Chuck Did, Norris that, with that motorcycle that shoots. You push a button and rockets shoot out, or you push the other button, the mortars shoot out the back. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think the Lee, the Lee Marvin action? Toy. What do you think the Lee Ar- the Lee Marvin action figure does from this movie? Has diarrhea? <laughs> it goes to the doctor and, and gets heart medication, gets a prostate exam, yeah, and then promptly dies. <laughs> maybe does he come with a bottle of whiskey as maybe like a like one of his, <laughs> his uh, accessories it, it goes and sits in its trailer when filming's done for the day that's yeah that's um we should say i think this is lee marvin's last movie i think i think like officially oh, that's his last tragedy. movie i know which is uh we're gonna talk about uh uh <laughs> we're gonna talk about his the delta, delta force, force. <laughs> the delta force um but yeah, I I, uh, I think to your point, we, we've talked a lot about canon. We probably touched on canon more than any other studio movies we've covered so far because <laughs> they had their own run. Uh, but do you think and they so- missed out on like the toy franchising industry? Like, I feel like if they like, I feel like, again, they were ahead of their time. If they had just had like another decade and they got to the early 2000s, they'd be making Spider-Man uh, action figures. They'd be making Scott McCoy on a Suzuki with rockets <laughs> action figures. Yeah. It's a little hard from a rated R movie to make a toy line. I disagree. <laughs> Rambo. Rambo if anything it. needed a toy. It's that motorcycle. And that's why we'll get it. I'm sure we'll talk about it plenty. But this movie's so weird. It's it's G.I. Joe, but R-rated with, and the, with Holocaust over to Holocaust allegories. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, that's probably that's that we should talk about the top of it is just that that is to me the most awkward uh, um, component. And then weirdly, they're trying to make such an important message, and then they just abandon it in the entire latter half. Of the and, movie. and I know in my notes, I like, I really hit him pretty hard on the Holocaust stuff, and I feel a little bad because some of it is like this is like uh, one of the writers, the director, obviously producer, uh, Maniam Golan, and he's like. It's probably a subject matter he's a little too close to. That's a little too well. He is, and he's his personal, and he yeah is not objective enough to identify how this is playing in this Chuck Norris movie. Well, that's so that uh, who knows if this research this research could be complete garbage because I saw it on IMDb. So fifty fifty, right? Um, that's what <laughs> that's what uh, I thought was interesting was. Um, 
supposedly, well, this is apparently based off of a real TWA hijacking that happened in 1985. A lot of the plot of what happens on the airplane with the hostages being segregated by um, being Jewish and non-Jewish, a German uh, descent flight attendant, an American who's killed, who's in the Navy, all of that's real. Uh, and they they try and make a very poignant political movie, but then that kind of halfway through the movie becomes the somewhat vapid backdrop to a Chuck Chuck Norris action action vehicle. <laughs> and seriously, in the second act, any t- any of the hostages that you met in the first act that you're supposed to feel some sort of kinship to, they just disappear. They go into captivity. And you just don't see it until the middle of the third act again. It's just weird how they do. Yeah, this. It, it's it really is. <laughs> like two and a half movies in one and like <laughs> and neither of them's a great movie it's nope. just we don't like it's just a not great chuck norris action movie can still be super fun a not great holocaust allegory into a, like a terrorist hijacking plot if that's not good is painful <laughs> Well, again, I know they were going for something very specific. Uh, we're going to talk about all the timestamps and the date stamps they put throughout this movie, which don't ever make really pay off. Uh, but yeah, are never necessary. No, not at all. But uh, they they're trying to earnestly make. But it, it informs you where they're coming from. Yeah. All of the things in this movie that are funny are are unironically put there. <laughs> yeah, like the timeline is very important to them because they want to treat this seriously until they don't, and then they want to cast Chuck Norris in it and give him a motorcycle with rockets. <laughs> hey, that's that's where the movie really swings for me. I uh, oh, that's I, why that's why we're doing this movie on the podcast. <laughs> like, you don't want to talk about the uh, political drama between. Uh, it's um, not for Middle Eastern people. Lebanon and, and rings in Israel between in 1985, 1986. Yeah, and it's it's also awkward watching it because this is just ideologically from such a pro-Israel, anti-Muslim standpoint. Where I mean, almost every like Muslim character in this is like sweaty evil dangerous looking like, <laughs> yeah is and like yeah and the israelis are like almost all like victims and yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a fine line that probably should be walked that never gets walked in this movie <laughs> that, makes, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense yeah. um it's a uh yeah i, I go back to uh jafar who's the third it terrorist was... at the beginning and uh they show oh him trying God. to get through airport <laughs> security and it's like He's sweaty. His hair is wild. His tie is is like loosened and kind of um, uh, he looks very disheveled and he's rolling up to security and he's trying to he's like, oh, I got to get on this plane. I gotta get on this plane. <laughs> it's like, OK, buddy, so, you're, you're not going anywhere. So in my memory of this movie, I, I kind of had my head. Wow. It's like, wow, this is, it's like shockingly racist. And watching it now, I was like, oh, it's racist, but not shockingly for an 80s action movie. Or, or for canon, for that matter. Yeah. I think we talked but, a lot about canon's I, just complete uh, disdain for women and everything else it, that we watched. Yeah. So. Well, and to me, the big thing is they want... And I, I think this is somewhat of the problem with when like the owner of the production company is also your like director. And they of... So you naturally have him with multiple motivations um 
But the movie is called The Delta Force. It's about Chuck Norris. <laughs> like it's being sold as a Chuck Norris badass military guy movie. And so the hour-long plot of Muslim terrorists forcing German flight attendants to make lists of Jewish people is that's not the movie you're trying to sell. That's a whole nother movie. And that, that like that could be an interesting movie to make, but you called this the Delta Force. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, like go make that other movie and do that without this G.I. Joe <laughs> cartoon uh, no. attached to it. Yeah, I uh so let's talk about uh, our that's a good point with the G.I. Joe reference because that was that was in my head <laughs> as a kid. That was how I um your access point to this movie? Kinda. It, it was the closest sort of like movie proxy I could think of to G.I. Joe. And I loved G.I. Joe as a kid. And I will, uh, I, you know, I think we've talked about it a bunch. But again, this was on USA a lot and Fox 54 as a bunch as a kid in Augusta. So I just remember seeing this a bunch. And as a kid, I don't remember any of, I mean, obviously it was too small. But the, any of the political aspects of the the Israeli versus uh, uh, Muslim uh, uh, dynamic. All I remember is that motorcycle, um, the dune buggies and the, the yeah. machine guns on the dune buggies and the karate. And I'm like, it's it's a perfect if they had just made that and that was the whole movie, I think it would have maybe been a more interesting movie. And it's weird for a well, canon movie that it's not cut down to 90 minutes. And the yes. reason it's not is because all the good stuff is the action that really happens about to your point an hour in. Yeah. And all the all the stuff that they really should have left on the cutting room floor was an hour of just sweaty people in the, inside of an airplane. Yeah, I'd be curious to take 30 minutes out of this and see if you could turn it into the like the kind of quote unquote action movie with something on its mind. Yes. If you could kind of peer down some of that um terrorist stuff on the plane that just stretches out for way too long at times and i also i also would be curious with some of that there's a lot of big name stars in this but big name stars who are past their prime and a lot of them are older stars who are um passengers on the plane and i wonder if they were trying they felt like they couldn't cut that time because they had to have those people in the movie and give them that's a Good point. Like maybe like they're the draw or partially the draw to, uh, to get or, to get butts and seats. Or it's just we're not like we promised that person <laughs> like they'd be in X amount of this movie, or like or, or like that's how we're selling this overseas. Of uh, it's like this person in a movie, we don't want to disappoint people who are coming because of that name, or um everyone's coming for George Kennedy. All right, that's why everybody's coming so for Shelly Winters and, and, and George Kennedy. <laughs> George Kennedy, I was one thing I, I, I wanted to say was if, if I had to use one thing in this movie to date it, it would be George Kennedy's like <laughs> weird half tint glasses, like eyeglasses. I'm like, that's like, I think I have pictures from like grandparents from Christmas of like 85 wearing those exact same glasses. I also think for people of our generation, post like naked gun. That you can't, there's no other association. It's so yeah. hard not to laugh at <laughs> Of not see him as like an undercover cop and like wait for Leslie Nielsen to show up. And... I think um, uh, 
he's probably got some of the best parts in Naked Gun one and two with uh, I can't remember what it was, but Frank's going through. Uh, he's supposed to be going through a suspect's uh, pockets, and he reaches past him, and he reaches <laughs> and he, into, into yeah. uh, his his coat, and he yeah, pulls out yeah, a picture. Yeah, and goes, yeah. "Here's a picture of your wife." And he goes, "Apple," <laughs> and he punches the guy. <laughs> yeah. I I uh, um I always think about George Kennedy um in Earthquake in nineteen I think it's nineteen seventy seven and then he was in Cool Hand Luke and he's in um he's got a small role in the Dirty Dozen I, I don't remember and then he's also got a pretty good role in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot so I I, I remember him in, because of I think the movies I've watched I've seen him in a lot more than just that but you're right like. For a long part of my life, all I remember him as is the captain from Nick Gun. Yeah, and this is so close in proximity to Nick the Naked Gun movies that yeah, he looks like a couple like, years like, later. I mean, he's in like Cool Hand Luke and that, but like he looks like that character. Well, Cool Hand Luke is twenty plus years before this, I think. Yeah, exactly. Close to it. Um, but yeah, I I uh, I'm trying to think of the other. There's one guy who's one of the uh, he's a repeat for canon. He was one of the older guys on the plane was one of uh, Charles Bronson's friends, neighbors in Death Wish three. I, I don't have his name in front of me, <laughs> but I always remember him because he's the guy who I think has the uh, machine guns that, <laughs> that Charles Bronson breaks out at the end. So canon's definitely uh, going back right. to the well uh, a couple of times on these. Yeah, they definitely. Actors. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we love him. We do. Um. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, my, my association with this was watching it a bunch as a kid and it was always a good proxy to me for, for like a, a live action GI Joe and, uh, um, we'll touch on it, but that, that Suzuki motorcycle that, that Chuck Norris drives at the end, I, that is like the bond gadget of this movie, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah. like the, I think if anybody had to guess, that's probably the one thing they, that most anybody would remember out of this movie. Yeah. And they, they use the hell out of it. Oh yeah, of uh, and it's surprising they don't they don't really introduce it at all. He just suddenly has it. That's why I think it's kind of fun. Is just the um, the surprise of all the shit it can do. Like when it, <laughs> when it when it shoots rock or shoots mortars backwards, they don't tell you it can do that. It just looks oh, like he's. Oh, I disagree. When he first has it, you, he there's a little switch on it where you can switch between rockets and mortars. <laughs> I missed that part. So it's, a real notes, cut, missed but, yeah, it. it's a real quick cut. Yeah, it's a real quick cut. I, uh, I, I think that's uh, that 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 rocket bike is a highlight. I also, um, I also think the uh, this is a prime Uzi prime bazooka movie. Too. <laughs> yeah, they double bazooka in this movie. Uh, they do, and it's it's um, we can talk about it, but but. Uh, Man, Lee Marvin, uh, as the as the as a, a sort of supporting actor, as the uh, colonel or captain or whatever in this, never believable that he is able to comfortably aim and shoot a gun without his hands <laughs> shaking, or much uh, less pick up a bazooka and fire rockets at a. He's still got the Lee Marvin voice, though. <laughs> he's got the voice. And he's got nothing else. He. What's sad is like, if you watch. All right, 20 years, about 20 years before this is The Dirty Dozen. I think that comes out in 67. And in that, he's still got a pretty good, can cut a pretty good figure. He's in his 40s at that point. Um, he's yeah. almost our age when he does The Dirty Dozen, which is great. Jesus. And uh, he can cut a pretty good figure. He looks great and he fills out the uniform. Fast forward, he's like 62, 63 when he does this. And he looks 
it it looks sad because it looks like they they sized him and he shrank more between like the costume fitting and like when they actually had to shoot and he just doesn't look like he can, he can fill out the the uniform and so it always feels like he's 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 too feeble and like he's unable to be he shouldn't be in combat like this is not a guy that should be in the field with his guys yeah well it, he he should be like the general or something, yes. not a field operative who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit in the rear I with get, the gear. You can get Lee Marvin. You get Lee Marvin. <laughs> I uh, well, should we, I guess so. Before we get too far down the road, um, so what was your association with this as a kid? Like, like what was your? Do you have a memory so of, of I, watching this? Not specifically. It's I know I did, but it kind of blended together with all the eighties Chuck Norris movies of you just, Oh, a Chuck Norris movies on the USA. I mean, well, let's see. And that's why I think I wonder if as a kid that early, that first like hour or so, if I, I'd put it on and like nothing would really happen that interested me. So by the next like commercial break, I'd like switch to something else. But if I came in in the last hour, you're in. I would. I'd watch the whole thing, and so I'd be like, "Oh, Delta Force, fun movie," um, and never really aware. I, I probably was not aware until much older of that whole like first hour of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, like I same. I, I I felt the same of just like um, completely, completely just went over my head from a, from the importance of of what they're trying that, to tell you. Yeah, and that also is a key point. Like. As I find it a little, I don't want to say distasteful, but like not well done for that stuff. But as a kid, I would have had no ability to even appreciate what they're trying to do with that. Uh, same, same. And uh, look again, they're they're trying to make a very earnest, uh, I think in their heads, important movie about a hostage event. It was based on a real event, and the problem they have is you tack it on to a, a over the top action movie and it's like, all right, you really don't, they don't totally don't really know what they want. And uh, yeah. the, the irony of it is, is I think Chuck Norris is the selling point in this movie. And I think that's, that's, that's the motivator is you're using a really important event to, to move his character along. And I don't think you needed something of that gravity to, to do it. Um, I would love to see like, when this came out, like audience review scores or like comments from like leaving this movie. <laughs> uh hi. I'm sure they're very high. <laughs> I um I uh I I think it depends on where you screen it. I'll say that. <laughs> um, I will say I some of that like melodramatic um stuff at the beginning, I I can see there being an audience where the, that stuff kind of plays fine it resonates for. yeah like yeah of just yeah for many complicated reasons that <laughs> that i um, would rather talk about uh rocket motorcycles more than let's talk about rocket motor let's talk about let's talk about uh, let's get ourselves introduced because this is this is the delta force uh so this was a movie that that canon made that was originally uh conceived with a guy named Charlie Beckwith who's the founder or sort of the, the the founding member of Delta Force the real um uh army special forces group um and this was in their early days and it sounds like 
he was on board and then i think they lost some of the realism and some of the, the you know the tethers to reality around how delta force actually operates and that was sort of a turning point for him to step back from the project but and this is this is sort of the the byproduct of, of what we have here <laughs> is uh chuck, chuck Norris delta force but you know again they try and anchor this in reality and the movie opens on this uh um real <laughs> real um event when uh jimmy carter near the end of his uh his term as president in 1980 sends in um some army and delta force team members to a des the desert outside tehran to to free hostages during the the tehran uh uh, a hostage crisis uh, at the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Tehran, in Iran, and you know, I think you you called this out. The movie opens with this gigantic explosion, and then yeah, these so guys running. It's one of my pet peeves when you go to the movie theater. And look, yes, sure, I'm sure there's an artistic choice to justify it, but movie theater is very dark. And if you're what you're showing on the screen is super dark. If you then immediately cut to something incredibly bright, it is <laughs> awful on the audience. And this movie does that. It's like a nighttime scene and then giant explosion filling the screen. And I was just like, oh, my God, if I was in that audience, like my, I would be like crying. Like I literally would have tears yeah. coming out of my eyes because that was like painful. It was just enough time for your eyes to get used to the, uh, the dark to the light. completely. Yeah. And then they're like, nope, fuck you. We're going to blow up a plane <laughs> right in front of your face. <laughs> so they they blow up this uh, this plane. And of course, you see you see a uh, uh, military fatigued uh, Chuck Norris running around the, 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 the site. And um, everybody's trying to get onto these C-130s to take back off and uh, and get out of the desert. Because, with, again, they're they're basing. The, the 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 space where this takes place is uh it was a uh landing site called desert one for operation eagle claw and that was the the plan was to go into tehran using uh a lot of special forces basically fight with the uh, insurgents extract all the hostages from the the embassy and they had two c-130 uh, uh transport jets to fly them or planes to fly them out of uh, iran and get them back home well, the whole thing actually goes wrong because uh, I think it was a helicopter was taking off and it clipped a fuel truck and caused a huge explosion. And so it's a, it's a, again, it's a real event. Um, it was it was sort of one of the first big operational moments for Delta Force and it didn't work. And um, they go to some interesting lengths here to set up all of the characters in this. Uh, and so we meet here uh, uh, Major Scott McCoy, who is Chuck Norris. Uh, we meet uh, Nick or Colonel Nick Alexander, who is our, our is Lee Marvin, and then I think we meet a few of the other guys. Uh, we meet we definitely, yeah. We meet Bobby, uh, which everybody has. Nobody has like an official military title in this. Everybody <laughs> just has like first name basis for this group. Yeah, there's no Colonel or Major. Nope. Or, <laughs> yeah, and so you you got Bobby, who's played by he's a repeat for us. That's Steve James, who was also in American Ninja, and uh, you've got uh, a, a guy named Pete Peterson, which they're really stretching on the names here <laughs> and i swear to god one of these guys names was butch at least that's what i heard them say in the movie <laughs> and nobody in the cast so far can i find can i find a name that's named butch so you meet you meet a handful of these these uh delta operators and then of course one of the guys gets trapped in a uh with a plane that exploded and so, so uh, well my favorite part of that is uh so <laughs> Scott McCoy, Chuck Norris 
just running out. And he's like, where's like, I don't know, Butch. So where's Butch? And the guys are running by him. He's like, he's in the, he's in the plane or helicopter, but like we couldn't get to him. <laughs> and so Chuck Norris runs in, has to navigate his way around all this like exploding shit. And then he gets right next to him and there's an open door literally right <laughs> next to the guy. Yeah. Right next to him that they use to like escape. And it's like, oh, like you couldn't get to him right next to the open door. Like, man, you guys, you, you guys really tried hard. You guys, uh, it kind of feels like they blew up. Like, oh, fuck him. He's, he's too late. He's gone. Yeah. Guys, dead. Like, go. I'm not going in there. Yeah. Well, then um, what's funny is uh, Chuck Norris. It's too hot for him to pick up because it's in the middle of this, this flaming plane hull. And uh, so he he takes off his jacket after he burns his hands and then he uses it to deadlift the the Jeep <laughs> off of his buddy. And, he, and then his buddy, uh, he he fireman carries back out right as they're, of course, about to take off. And so um, feels super fast for Lee Marvin's character to be like, yeah, they're stuck. We're leaving him behind. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know that, I saw like, that guy 30 like, seconds mantra, ago. Like, but... No man left behind. Yeah. Like they're really quick to. Like, yeah, oh, I don't we're think just that's, leaving that guy. I don't think that's a Delta Force motto is leave like, the first man behind you can. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they so Norris makes it back on the plane uh, or McCoy makes it back on the plane with Peter Butcher, whoever the hell that guy was. It was stuck under the Jeep. And uh, he he talks about the the lack of intelligence is the reason that all this happened, which is not true um, from the, the real story. And he saw the same shit in Vietnam and and he's retiring. And it was like, and that's it. And like end of scene, Chuck Norris's <laughs> character announces he's retired. He's done. And he and does. Then, and he does. Five years. For, and then you fast forward. And I forgot about this. The movie jumps five years ahead, which is insane. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know why you needed a time hop. That's that big. <laughs> other than you're trying to tie it back to this real event. Right. It's so, it, yeah, I, mean, I guess that's why. And it's what's such such a canon thing to be so beholden to these real events and then not care about reality at all at other times. <laughs> like, it's so weird to, to care oh, so much. It, it's it's like it's it's like if we don't get this, nobody can follow any of the plot. Which is. Yeah. Frankly, it has it has by the time you get to the end of it, this has no bearing. The the dates, the timestamps have zero bearing on what's going on. It does it does oh, not matter. Yeah. It never yeah. matters. Just, yeah. It only makes it more confusing to think about. To, to, and I want to go back, like, doesn't this take place over like a maybe a 24 hour period? Like I'm not some... sure because I wrote the times down because I found <laughs> it funny, but I didn't write the dates down. And I so I was like, oh, I did this was this 72 hours, which I was like that. If they didn't have the times and dates, you could like be like, oh, it's movie editing. So like things are happening in between. But with the times and dates there, it's like, oh, so that was like that's seven hours later. And then it just makes you ask questions like it's so unnecessary and almost harmful to the movie. It, it is. I will say they have one time cut or time timestamp that always makes me laugh and it's the uh timestamp when chuck norris uh um we'll, we'll get to the terrorist hijacking in a second but the, everybody's like as soon as as soon as delta force gets called up for this all of delta force is like you know who really wouldn't get on this uh uh you know major scott mccoy you know which is chuck norris's character it's like 
nobody talks about like, well, we got to go do our jobs or we're all trained for this. Yeah. It's like, as soon as they get a chance to call uh, uh, Chuck Norris and bring him back to Delta Force mm-hmm. five years later, after he's been doing jack shit, they're Which, like, can't wait to get him back on the team. I think I've, my favorite part is <laughs> yeah, when, when Scott McCoy shows up, Lee Marvin tells is telling them, uh, a presidential decree. Yeah, it's a good thing you showed up because I had a presidential decree ordering you back to service. And what is not he sure do? whether or not that's a thing or not. Yeah, but it's it's not, and I doubt that would I, ever happen. I, but that's one of the things I love about these like, canon movies of like establishing a character as like a badass in these ways. That's like, oh. Even the president five years later is like, we need that guy. And it's a different president. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different turn. It's just Reagan. This is not even Carter who was responsible when he resigned. Now, if you told me during Reagan's presidency, he issued a president's decree calling up Chuck Norris to do something. I'd believe uh, it. I'd believe it. <laughs> he probably gave a presidential years. decree to, to pardon all jelly beans of wrongdoing. Um, <laughs> I uh, So what makes me laugh is McCoy just takes the presidential decree, wads it up, and throws it back in his truck like it's, com- it's just complete trash. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even be bothered to look at it. And, but uh, what I want to talk about was when the, they 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 do a timestamp. It's two thirty two in the morning in Wilming, like Wilmington, North Carolina, wherever, and it says the McCoy Ranch or whatever. <laughs> it's like Chuck Norris is sitting inside of like a farmhouse. There's a very, it's like right off of a barn or a, 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 a series of stalls for horses and cows. He's eating eggs and drinking Coors Light or Bud Light or something. And he's <laughs> watching the news. And I'm just like, what is his life five yeah. years on from Delta Force? Because it looks shitty. It looks really shitty. Like, And why is he awake at 2.30 in the morning eating eggs right. and drinking beer? Like, what is he yeah, doing? Yeah, that's, that's alarming. <laughs> What do you what do you think they produce on the McCoy Ranch? Do you think it's eggs and milk? <laughs> do you think it's just like he just has a drinking problem oh, and 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 I, like he's in bankruptcy and that's why he goes yeah, back to Delta Force? No, I, I think he's living off his pension from his military service, uh, and he's on one of those farms that like gets paid not to grow stuff. In oh yeah yeah yeah, and like yeah, and so he just got, has like some like chickens and shit, and so he just like eats eggs every day it's a weird choice that they make for mccoy and and, and uh chuck norris's character doing this on the he's, other hand he still seems like a badass so he, he's keeping himself he, in shape I, I will say for a guy who's drinking beer at 2 30 in the morning he's in excellent shape yeah he, he, he's taking care of himself he's fit he's ready for so, combat despite the fact he retired he seems to have kept himself fully ready to be called back to surface i think he was waiting for this to happen and uh <laughs> I liked the so it's an interesting choice that, that that Norris does this because if you watch I don't know if it's a canon movie but it's it's a couple years before this it's called um, Lone Wolf McQuaid and it's probably the intro for uh, Chuck Norris being a a Texas Ranger because that's the whole backstory is Lone Wolf McQuaid is this this Texas Ranger but Norris's like character traits are he had he lives in this dumpy ass house out on the in the middle of texas and he just drinks beer and throws the cans like down on the floor in his house as it you know like he's just a complete slob and it's sort of like not who norris probably is as a person but it's like this perception he feels like he wants to play as an everyman 
of, yeah, I just drink beer and, and I'm in good shape and just hang out and I'm mad about terrorists. And like, that's his whole persona. And I think, I think that just kind of becomes Norris's character trait for the rest of the eighties and kind of like here and, 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 and throughout the, the Texas Ranger years on, on TV, it's a Selling strange this, like choice. redneck fantasy of <laughs> kind of, but like, yeah, but like Chuck Norris would never actually do that. I think he's probably too focused on like taking care of himself. So he probably doesn't even drink. It's like, we've talked about like Stallone. Of, yeah. Of, of like, things are like, you can't be like that hyper in shape. And, and, and just not give and, a shit about like your eating habits. Live <laughs> yes. Like I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, case in point in Cobra, when he cuts the pizza, I don't think that's, you know, them doing something for the purpose of the script. I think that's Stallone being Stallone on how he actually eats pizza. Oh, I think it's like you get one take. I'm cutting it with pizza and that's all I'm the only bite I'm taking. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to you got to pay me another million. I'm not dollars taking to eat carbs. We're not doing six takes of eating pizza. Like, yeah, which if it's me, I would love to eat, eat six takes of pizza. Like that sounds yeah. fantastic. <laughs> But it's interesting. It's it's a fun intro for. Oh, I, I um, love this. I, I love the setup of him. And it makes no sense. <laughs> but it's like the action movie setup of the guy. And like, yeah, no, it's it's what I want Chuck Norris to be. <laughs> and I would argue it's it's almost the same character he plays in Missing in Action. Oh, yeah. The, this this somewhat disgruntled. um Less too cool for, for school cartoons but uh yeah too, i love spider-man cartoons now I, w- I wish that canon had done that was they they, they cut this they the, you know spider-man they go to commercial and, and, it, and it's a spider-man spider-man well, cartoon at 2 30 in the morning they, they didn't need to pad 20 minutes onto this movie so they were able to leave out the spider-man cartoons that's true because this movie is 130 minutes <laughs> I was disappointed because when when Holy we shit. when we watched canon movies before, they're always like ninety minutes or less. Yeah. Here, I looked at this and I said, "Shit, this is gonna be a two viewing one. I, like, it's gonna take me two 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 viewings to actually get through this." Yeah. Wait, sure enough, it did. Speaking of shortly after this, so uh, we've talked about you sent me that uh, Stallone box set. Yeah. I watched Assassins. Yeah. Hundred and thirty-two goddamn minutes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in there that. Oh my God! Donner and, could have really worked the script that works worked that one down quite a bit. Also, I, man, I I, I got to look up some Richard Donner comments on that because there are some studio notes he's taken making that movie because it it feels like these John Woo movies are popular. We need you to do that, and we need lots of doves. Yeah, <laughs> well, that um. This is a tangent, but I I like assassins. Um, Antonio Banderas is is swinging for the fences in that one. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Stallone's pretty muted, which is which is unusual. Oh, there is they're in two different movies. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. it is. It's incredible because it's an '80s movie and a '90s movie action movie just jammed together. It feels like they had all of the pieces of a recipe to make a really good dish with it and also the screenplay is a wachowski screenplay it wasn't wasn't it their first one they sold i think so but then richard donner is directing it and it's like yeah this is just like as much talent as you can throw with where action movies are going and just like colliding into not never really lands into not working (laughs) which is a shame um it's it's got things that work i really like richard donner i just 
for whatever reason at that point in his career, it's like he he did Lethal Weapon three probably the year before, and it was sort of like maybe that was his peak or his. And his, when his you look at his, it's like Zenith. this and like a bunch of Lethal Weapon movies, kind of like, and it's like, oh yeah, he yeah, maybe, like he was probably done a while before he actually hung it up. And I mean, he was going to come back for Lethal Weapon five. I think they were they were yeah. trying. And to no, I think he production. was fine doing those movies, but it's like, oh, you probably didn't want to do this new like. And I get at that time, I'd be like, yeah, Lethal Weapon director, Richard Donner, let's have him do our action movie. But Lethal Weapon, Goonies. Like, oh, like um, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere else. Yeah. Superman. So, I mean, I mean he, Superman. Yeah. His resume is, is is tremendous. And it's just. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so Richard Donner, good director. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not trying to disparage uh, Richard Donner. I'm sure. He's I'm sure. Incredible. Well, I, I, I was looking at, you know, Walter Hill. I was listening to um, God. What was it? Uh. The rewatchables did the aliens this week or did alien this week. And yeah, uh, they talked about Walter Hill. And I'm like, yeah, I should go look at Walter Hill's career. And there's a lot of stuff I probably haven't seen of his that I need to go see. And it's like, yeah, he's done some good stuff, but then he's also done some really shitty stuff too. Yeah. And I think, that... I think Dick Donner's kind of had the same, same run. Cause I think the, these action movies weren't well respected at yeah. that time. Um, so I, I think like it, as we love them and there were some that were financially successful, but they, the director of them wasn't given like the respect they probably deserved for having done that. Yeah. Oh. Like case in point with Walter Hill and this wouldn't surprise me. I've seen the movie, but bullet to the head with, um, uh, Stallone. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, Sun King. And I, I remember watching. I, I remember it. enjoying that, and that I, I feel like I need, I need to go back and yeah. see it again because I I I don't remember enough of it, and it's a Walter Hill thing. So I'm like, I'm thinking it's got to be not bad. Um, I remember enjoying it, but you know, it was what it was. Is there some budget limitations? Yeah, on it for sure. And Stallone being past his prime. Yeah, yeah. I also want to oh. say Richard Donner. Uh, I want to go on record of I I do like Lady Hawk. I've not seen Lady Hawk. Is Ooh. that the Mel Gibson um, Goldie Hawn movie? Uh, it or is, is that, not. That, that's Bird on. That's I think it's Bird on a Wire. Never mind. No, this is Rudger Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick. Uh yeah, I've not seen that. I've not seen that. That's a supernatural movie, I think. Yes, it's where um, it's one of them turns into. Oh God, I'm gonna screw this up. Um. One one's an owl. One turns into a hawk, a... like during the day. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a hawk during the day, and then she's a fox. Um, Rudger Hauer is yeah, and that is yeah. So like they're like lovers who can never. They're cursed that one's an animal during the day, one's an animal at night, and they can never be together. Which is, uh, I, I I would like to see that at some point. I mean. Richard and Richard Donner's big breakout movie was The Omen in in 68. I think that was or sorry, sorry, 76. Yeah. That was I think his big his big moment, but he man, he did some incredible stuff and I am way off target at this point. Uh so I'm going to try and bring this back cuz realized I'm like going through <laughs> yeah, his IMDb. Um okay, um, yeah. So sorry, Rudger Hauer's a wolf during the night, Michelle Pfeiffer is a hawk during the day. Okay. Sorry, I tried to <laughs> Oh, hey. Lock hey, that down for my own sanity. Lock it down. So, uh, so we should probably <laughs> talk Norris. about, uh, we've talked about Chuck Norris quite a bit. I would say the other 
heavy in this, if you can want to call Chuck Norris a heavy. Um, Robert Forrester. <laughs> Let's talk about Which Robert Forrester. Is obviously problematic casting. Uh, as At, the best. Lead. At best. Uh, but I will say like he never looks like Robert Forrester to me. They do an incredible job of having him not look like Robert Forrester. As a kid, I never... I never put that together. I know who Robert Forrester is. Yeah. For our same. for our, like, our age, I think Jackie Brown to me was the the big movie I remember him from. First big, yeah. Or my exposure to him based on based on what he had done. Um he's done quite a bit uh obviously before that, but he so he plays Abdul, the 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 lead terrorist in this. And it's funny because you're right. I just as a kid, I never thought about oh that's a white guy playing an arab guy like that doesn't make any sense i i I mean honestly even like watching it this time i don't clock him as robert forster like for whatever like i I don't know maybe it's i'm just used to older robert forster so it it doesn't quite (laughs) male pattern baldness uh (laughs) um yeah i mean but knowing it's him is problematic but um (laughs) When he's wearing the craziest outfit when they, they go onto the plane, it's what like a, a full white suit. White, it's like he looks like Cousin Eddie from from uh, uh, Christmas Vacation <laughs> because he's got a white suit on and he's got um. Speaking uh, of white people who do big fans of this movie, Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. No, we definitely need some Randy Quaid in this movie to make it just that much crazier for for uh for the audience. But yeah, I um. Forrester does a good job. I think it's just 30 years on, this doesn't age well to have. Right. But I think him he's very good in it. Brown face. For what they're asking him to do and yeah. what he's doing. Like, yeah, no, I think he's great. It's just, well, it's also, it's a typical canon thing where we've probably hit a time where Hollywood studios are maybe. I don't know, getting past that point of, I don't know, I guess I get a little look up when Gandhi was made, because that would be the, of where they're getting more sensitivity and awareness. So I guess Gandhi with Ben Kingsley is 82, so this isn't that far on. So, yeah, it's probably still Hollywood. It's problematic with casting uh, non-white people in the in these roles, but um, I, he's fantastic as, as much as and doesn't, I don't know, Yes, this is problematic for me. Doesn't feel. It feels authentically Middle Eastern. So he does a great, great job. Um, and. But I don't know now knowing <laughs> the reality of it is, I don't know, it's problematic, but he's got a good cast around him, too, who I think I think are actually authentically cast Middle Eastern people. Um, well, there is. Ra- the I think I think everybody was Israeli that was not Robert Forrester. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Because again, um, they shot. They shot wow, the, that they, would that would clock and make sense for. Them. Um, I mean, they, they shot Who's this. Making this in I think almost all of the movie is shot in Israel, and so um, from what I'd read, and this is IMDb, so who who God only knows if it's real or not. Um, <laughs> Which I do want to talk about IMDb in uh, in, in a second, but um, apparently all of the the other actors that were supposed to be Lebanese or Muslim were portrayed by Israelis. But um, I think this is my favorite movie for trivia that we've gone through on <laughs> IMDb. 
because when you read through the IMDb trivia and goofs section, everything is reads as if it's coming from the perspective of a military historian who's trying to earnestly educate people who like I you need to understand how Delta Force operates and how this was a real event and how yeah. this was based and like take it easy motherfucker like it's a <laughs> canon movie like relax yeah. this is not this is not that serious guy <laughs> like come on <laughs> so somebody out there was very diligent in trying to educate people like every other every other trivia comment on there refers to the TWA flight 847 this is based on and as if it's they're teaching a history class um, <laughs> on on IMDb about about you know what this movie's based on so take it easy guys and i i agree those drive me crazy but that is some of the problem of this movie it treats this it treats some of the plot so earnestly where it seems like it cares about getting things right and being historically accurate or having these times and they and then it just doesn't give a shit at all <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like there's like pick a path <laughs> well yeah it, it 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 really does and i think um i i love the choices they make in the second half of the movie to your point i don't love the choices they make in the first half of the movie um okay. but yeah we should probably keep moving all right second half of the movie second half all right. One of the things I love. <laughs> so they take the they take some of the hostages off and like bring them. Uh, was it to Lebanon? Yeah, I think that the finale of this is yeah. supposed to take place in Lebanon. Okay. And so across the street from where they're showing them happens to be this Greek Orthodox church <laughs> with this uh, an awesome van who is also an Israeli intelligence agent who when he goes into like the confession booth has like a radio thing that pulls down to like communicate stuff. And that's when the movie really starts picking up and taking off for me. I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of shit I love. Like spy shit like that. where like, this guy is stationed here just living life as a priest, but is secretly spying on these guys has secret spy shit in his church. And like, yeah, this this is, this is the movie I was hoping for. Would argue this guy does a poor job in terms of uh, keeping his identity a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Robert Forster's character is immediately suspicious uh, of him. Um, What are your what are your thoughts on when this also is uh, uh, preceded by Chuck Norris? And I believe it's either Pete or Butch. I think it's the same guy. (laughs) I can't get his name right. I'm going to have to go back and watch this to find out. At the end, when he's dying, he's Pete. I know that much. Exactly. But I think Mm -hmm. they call him Butch in this this scene where he's going through. They're they're going through security and they're pretending to be Canadian uh, journalists. (laughs) Yes. And they're they're carrying cameras. And I think that's probably my favorite line. It's it's weird. Like Norris can do humor in the right in the right setting with the right script and just enough delivery. You and can write humor for him that works, but it's they just don't do yeah. it enough. It's like yeah. he gets one of these a, a, a movie from what I've seen, and it's a shame because I think they're, they're they they always make me laugh. And so the the joke here was they're trying to get through uh, a metal detector coming into Lebanon, and um. Uh, Chuck yeah, Norris the, goes the, through the, without yeah, any yeah. problem and then Pete or Butch, whatever his name is, goes through and it sets it off and he has this giant mm-hmm. sort of Texas b- belt buckle on and um, 
uh, Norris just goes, where'd you get that stupid belt buckle? He goes, well, you gave it to me for my birthday a few years ago. And he, without missing a beat, he goes, oh, well, I hope you really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so and it, it like, works. Hey, I love it, it works. And like, I love Norris it. delivers it right yeah. properly. And like, yeah, yeah. And no, that's, and that's why it's easy to like crap on Norris for some things, but he can deadpan. Like he can deadpan. They, they just got to build the world around emote. him to make it work. No, but, not like, at yeah. all. But when they build it around them, it's it it is a lot of fun. And he had that in um, Missing in Action as well. There's a scene where he, well, what's not funny is he rips a woman's clothes off to to <laughs> pretend they've been having sex to, to for subterfuge, and then jokes about it after the fact. But uh, um, like, I, look, I think we all know she was pretty into the Chuck Norris. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm I, in I that was, movie. Yeah, I'm in the Chuck Norris like that too. I, I agree, that's problematic. But when you see, I don't I don't think she minded. Uh, more like fuck Norris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to use that the entire time. Um, so it, it it is fun that, and then that that introduces the orth, the Greek Orthodox priest is the these. All right, so why is a Greek Orthodox priest in his church van? Driving two Canadian journalists around. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, come on, guys. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like they doing a report on this Greek Orthodox church in Lebanon. It's interesting to the people in Canada. Uh, clearly, I think that's it's probably the Quebec region of Canada, or I'm sorry, the French Canadian uh, portion of Canada, not the yeah. not the rest there of it. Sorry, I also want to point out, say, I, I, we're talking about uh, missing action. I wasn't trying to make light of sexual assault. I was making fun of the movie for how bizarrely, how bizarrely into Chuck Norris this, that female character is, <laughs> who he does that to. That if you watch the movie, she is out of nowhere, like just down to fuck. <laughs> Every woman is with Chuck Norris. I'm trying yeah, to think. Is this is like the only movie laughable. I can think of of his. Yeah. That, that oh, doesn't there's happen. no, there's no female lead. Um, and honestly, it makes the movie better. It does, and what's funny, like, uh, I really want to cover it on so- at some point on on here. But Lone Wolf McQuaid, Barbara Carrera <laughs> from Never Say Never Again, is the the lead heroine in that, and she's gorgeous and she's rich. And then you have Chuck Norris who plays a kind of deadbeat Texas Ranger in that who lives in a like a flop house where he's like literally drinking beer and throwing <laughs> the cans on the floor, and it's like. She's super into him. She's cleaning his house for him. And it's like, no, like, I do not believe a woman who's been successful and it, it, it takes care of herself would 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 be interested in Chuck Norris because of, <laughs> of how he's acting. Like, this doesn't make sense. So I've, I've learned an important thing from this podcast. I either can never do this around you or the next time I see you, I'm doing it. Is oh God. drinking beer and throwing the cans on the floor. <laughs> Dude, I don't care. I'm not married to you. It's not my problem. That it, no, but I feel if I if like I like brought you over to my house and I was doing it, it it seems like it'd be a big red flag to you of like, oh man, Mike's in trouble. He's not doing well. It is. I think that's what Norris is trying to tell us is he Scott is, McCoy he's having a rough has, time, guys. Scott gotta... McCoy. This is how he communicates having PTSD. It's not through having flashbacks. It's not through reacting to people. It's. Well, he drinks too much beer and he throws them on the floor, and that's that. That tells you that he's got some problems. And it's not, you know. I I think it, that is the extent. It is of, alarming. I think that's the extent of Norris emoting in this. That is his his emoting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of depressed. I'm right, brooding. I throw the beer. I throw the brooding. beer on the floor. 
You guys know I trained with uh, Bruce Lee, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that's uh, uh, I think to your point, the second act um, after the after the the horrible death of the Greek Orthodox yeah. um, uh, Mossad oh. agent slash priest. Thank um, God, we finally get an action. It's a like, good action sequence. Scene. Like, yeah, I love it. Really need it, and it looks good. And I, I, I will say, so again, this was you, you mentioned it already. But Menaheim uh, Golan is directing this, and it, it's a really well done action sequence. It's it's a lot of fun. It looks, you know, it's obviously practical effects because it's eighty six and it's canon. But you know, it looks good <laughs> with um, uh, Pete slash Butch driving the van around, and um, Norris just leaning out and, and, and taking shots at the uh, the terrorists that are chasing them. And it, it, it looks it looks good. Does it look good? Or are we so desperate for an action sequence at this point in the movie? Anything would be welcome and look good. Both. <laughs> it's <laughs> both. And no, I think I think it's a pretty good sequence. I think it is good. But it, 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 I just know like watching this time, I was like, thank God. Like, yeah. Let's I, go, th- baby. I, that's when I was getting pumped. And that and that's when I'm like, okay, all right, we're into it. You're just um, so excited for this scene. Like you'd forgive a lot. We got Uzis, <laughs> we got Chuck Norris yeah. shooting one handed, we have trucks exploding. We have this is this is what I came for. Yeah, we we we've got this this van that probably has sixteen horsepower outrunning all these trucks full <laughs> of terrorists. It's like great. I love it. I'm here. I'm here for this stuff. This is this is when the movie really goes into overdrive for me and the whole rest of it. I'm like, to your point, if I was sitting down to watch it, if I watched it from that scene forward, I can sit there through the end and be like, great, I'm on board. Everything else after that's like a fun action movie that I I, yeah. I, I want to watch. Honestly, if you just started the movie at that scene, I I think it's a better movie. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It kind of is. I don't think you'd miss almost like a Bond cold open. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like like, I, I don't think you'd miss it. It'd almost be like a seventy-minute cold open, <laughs> and like that's just what it is. It's like, a good point. Well, I, th- I think, this goes. And I, this like, goes... It's not like this is convoluted plot-wise. <laughs> like it's just like so. I think you'd be right there with the movie immediately. <laughs> I think you're right, and, and this goes back to my point with the. The hostages is they spend the entire first act trying so hard to make you care about the hostages and and make them important oh. to you that when they get when they get off the plane the, the 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 male hostages get off the plane they don't you don't see them for like forty five minutes and what's weird yeah. is you kind of forget that that's the motivator for for the whole plot and um, yeah it's, it's... It, it, to your point. If you ignore all of that, it is kind of this weird cold open to just this hour long action movie that's <laughs> that's a lot of fun on the on the back end of this. All right. So there's one thing from the first hour we did not talk about. Wait for it. All right. This movie has a weird thing with rings and people putting them <laughs> in their mouth <laughs> and like licking them or doing stuff to them. <laughs> I, so, I yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So in the very, very opening where we're meeting these hostages, but they're at the airport, they're not hostages yet. Uh these two um I think they're <laughs> For, American but Jewish women. First off, they're all annoying as shit uh, because because 
they're doing yeah. crazy amounts of exposition about their lives and yeah their religious background they're in like a, the duty-free shop and one of them is like oh what's that ring and to show her this woman puts it in her mouth pulls it off of their teeth and holds it up to her to like take it out of my mouth from my teeth and it's like what the f- that is the most it's bizarre disgusting. fucking thing i've ever seen in my life and then later in the movie the same ring so all right, so the woman, it, the it, the ring has like Hebrew writing on it. So the woman's like tried to hide it, knowing these terrorist stuff covers. So that all like clocks and checks. I think it's a fine plot point and works. Of like, yeah, no, like, it works well because they're, they're trying to hide. Um, they're trying to hide their backgrounds. To so they're themselves. releasing the female hostages, and the, the guy looks, and he is, and well, and so what happens is um, uh, Robert Forster's character Abdul, after the that lady once they've uh, hijacked the plane. He goes through her purse and then uh, I can't remember what Abdul's number two is name is, but he finds yeah. the ring in the per in this lady's purse and he, and he uses it to point to Abdul and say, there are Israelis on this plane because it's got uh, Hebrew writing around, you know, around the band of the ring. And so, then that, uh, so that kind can of prompts. You, can, so you, can you deliver there are Israelis on the plane the way the actor does? Because you are really calm. <laughs> And that is not how that actor is when he delivers. There is Israelis on the plane. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of how they. I mean, that's how they, they do it. It's it's all so over the top. They're so sweaty. Yeah. Everybody's so sweaty. <laughs> and I watched just, this, and they I was like, somehow they, concoct things to make them sweatier. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. In fairness, <laughs> last Friday I got stuck on the tarmac in Atlanta for four hours, and I will tell you, they will not run the air conditioners if the plane engines <laughs> cannot run, or you're not plugged into it's an alternative true. power source. It's true. Yeah. And um, uh, I think th- that is a weird turn they make where they they're in they land in. Um, I can't remember what country they land in at that point. I think it maybe maybe that is Lebanon. They land in and they go to. Yeah, they send to, they go Beirut. to Beirut. They're in Beirut. I think they're at the airport in Beirut, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think that's right. I, I do lose the geography a little bit on this because they go from Athens where the, the plane takes off to, I think, I think Beirut. But. You you talked about it. there's like a six or seven year old little girl that like yeah we're gonna show her naked <laughs> like it's it's okay like yeah because it's too hot on this airplane I'm like yeah and I it, get that but you don't need to show it's a, kid. a viable choice she's like the men have been taken away and she's just with the woman and it's hot and sweaty as hell and it's like it's like it's but weird, you don't have to do it it's a kid it's weird don't you're also it. making this choice as a director to show like and I don't know how old that actress is <laughs> like but and she's a kid she's a kid yeah and so like. Yeah, like it shouldn't. It shouldn't. You should not react to that in like a pervy way, or like. But it's like, well, as a a dad, I'm like, I I wouldn't want my choice. As a dad, I'm like, I think about it. Like, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't want my daughter being like, yeah. How about we just don't do that? (laughs) Yeah, like you don't need to show that. So, however, all right, back to uh, finger licking good. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, no. So they (laughs) they find the ring, and like there's really on this plane. Um. And so that's how it sets off them all flipping out about that shit. And, and so this woman's like leaving and uh, Robert Forrester sees she has like a tan line on her finger. And he's like, oh, is this your ring? And she's like, she's like, yes. He deep um, throws his finger. He licks the shit out of his finger <laughs> so he can pull the ring off and give it to her. Which meanwhile, I don't know if that's supposed to help. Because they're so sweaty to get it off, I would think their sweat would just help get it off. But 
I would posit so, that the, the liner of the ring is made of sandpaper, the way that people yeah. have to, to to lubricate this ring to get it off. <laughs> so I tried to Google, is that something in like Israeli or somewhere in Middle Eastern culture or somewhere of like... It's an, it's an offensive uh, statement. Is that something, something that like means something or like... It's so glaringly weird and obvious. Uh, and I quickly stopped Googling that because licking the ring is apparently a uh, euphemism for eating ass. Well, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> and so that's pretty much dominated the results I found. And I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> like, So after the last uh, couple no, hours... No, no judgment or offense to anyone who's uh, into that, but I was like, yeah, I, I know how the internet works. I'm not finding, I'm not getting to the bottom of this without going yeah, you're, through. You're destroying your search history and and you're finding stuff that you didn't want to find. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I know, like the first ten thousand results are going to be people eating ass. Like, <laughs> that's hey, how this works? <laughs> that's what we're here for. Uh, no, I, I, I it, 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 it did strike me as weird, and it did feel like there's. There's something that I I'm clearly must be missing yeah. on some level for this to. I feel there has to be, but it, it is great. It's like uncomfortable, like to watch yeah. Forrester do that. Like I'm like we're good, man. Like I don't I don't need to see you deep throat this finger to <laughs> to get the ring off. We're we're okay, we're okay. Mm-hmm. So I will say uh, that's also the scene around around the time in which um, Delta Force really screws the pooch on on trying to. Oh, I do love that they're in they're in I believe. Bi- Beirut. And it's like, hey, uh, let's get the blonde guy that um that looks like a karate instructor. Let's use him to be the uh the the stand-in for the the uh what do you call it? The um airliner fuel for, for the airplane. So Norris and the and the team roll up and it's about the whitest crew you could have uh trying to stage for this uh in this Middle Eastern country, trying to stage for um uh, doing a rescue slash the subterfuge being uh, gas attendants for for the airliner. So it's funny how much that never would have made sense, and then it takes the bad guys so long to to realize it before they start they start shooting and and uh, sure enough, get into a full blown firefight and with a gas tank or gas truck nearby, you have to make sure at some point it's going to blow up. So. Uh, what happens? Lee Marvin rolls up in a jeep while he's being shot at. Nobody, of course, ever manages to hit him. And uh, he picks up Chuck Norris. They drive away. They get shot at again. And of course, nobody gets hit. And Norris ducks out and tells his guys not to shoot so that they can actually um, uh, ensure that the, the plane takes back off and, and, and nobody's injured. So all the stuff that happens in Beirut just feels like such a a silly unnecessary bolt on to the movie, especially when you, when you consider the fact that all the male hostages are off, uh, the female hostages are off and um, it doesn't really show you anything interesting from, from Delta forces perspective as the, as to how, how uh, capable they are. So um, I, 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 I never really understand this whole scene of Chuck Norris's team being the, the fuel crew for this for this this airplane it just doesn't work so um anyway uh that being said <laughs> i do enjoy again after the shootout on the on the bus the chase through beirut 
you get some really fun action where uh, the the Delta Force team realizes they have to storm what looks like it looks like a video game in terms of the 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 building they have to storm because it's like there's there's guards on the top, on each floor. They kind of call it a front. school, but yeah, yeah it it's like a it's supposed seem to be like a that at all. <laughs> no, it looks like a fortress. It, it, it's not a it's not a school. You're right, but it's a video game fortress of yeah. like multiple stories. So it's like oddly kind of poorly defended because you have your people spread across these floors that you can easily then like we took out that one. Now we move to the next one and yep. the next one and the next one. Yeah. And this has you talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, with, with the the whole the, the whole naked gun element of this. <laughs> but they they point out that Delta Force has to infiltrate this this schoolhouse uh, by um, bringing a boat up against the this this pipeline that runs out of the water and up into the into the city right next to the building, and that's their their target entry point. And you brought this up. To, we both had the comment. It makes me laugh. Oh yes! In the middle of the night, they're, the Delta Force team is scuba diving, and they're and they're they're swimming in, and they get into a boat, and they're scan, and the terrorists are scanning this waterfront uh, with a spotlight. And so when it gets to them, what do they do? They just bend over. Delta Force just bends over to to, to obfuscate themselves from from the terrorists. And it just makes me laugh because it's it's four adult men trying to huddle over and and hide the fact they're in bright yellow scuba tanks and scuba like scuba suits. And the most insane thing is the choice to put that in the movie. <laughs> it's not necessary. No, it's not. And and like, if you're if you were if you were the terrorist operating that that spotlight, you would have seen. All of those guys, like it's not even. I mean, that close. yellow could not be more designed. It's clearly designed to be seen. Yeah, it's, it's day glow yellow, so you can see it underwater. Like, yeah, in, in dark conditions. That's like, the whole. Nothing point. could be more obvious. And and they're just like hide, and then just lean over. <laughs> it's just like, it does feel like it's unintentionally funny, and and, and yeah. that that two years later, uh, Naked Guns making fun of this, and it's hilarious definitely (laughs) so one of the scenes i love in this where they're clearing the building is so abdul's number two uh who's very over the top is like (laughs) borderline like unhinged evil but like always reins it in to never be like unhinged um (laughs) but so they're raiding this place and Norris walks into like a room that's like looks like it's empty and takes a second glance back. What's something's not right here? Walks <laughs> over to this bed and is like, oh, and you see where he's going. There might be a guy under this bed. And it sure it feels enough, like he pulls he's, up the mattress. Feels like he's playing hide and go seek. Yeah. It, with uh, Terrace. And then keeps like the mattress cover up. So I guess it's not gonna like blood on him and like unloads into him. Uh, but it's it's a moment like that that I like really appreciate this movie. That it's where it's hitting the eighties action movie beats. Yes. Of that. And like same when he goes to like the radio radio room. No, no, no. It's no, it's that one where he does that. He's under the mattress, he does sleep tight, sucker. 
<laughs> like, yes. And like Norris does a fine job of it. Like it's solid. He does. It's just it's brutal, man. He just machine guns the guy down um while but he's it, laying on the ground. It's just it's also where it's like, wow, an hour ago this movie had a German flight attendant being forced to make a list of Jewish people who are gonna possibly go off to get killed. <laughs> and it's like Oh, like, what were you thinking when you made this? Like, sleep tight, sucker, with that movie? Like, yeah. I, I, to your point, you could get a nosebleed with the 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 differential in in two different movies uh, between this and then the the very emotionally kind of gut wrenching Holocaust focused movie in 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 yeah. the first half. It's just, it's too it's too much of a. It's just, I guess, it's just too much. It's like, like it's too it, polar opposite. Like, like you said, it, yeah. it's it's two and a half movies and rolled into kind of one good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, like twenty seven years later, it's like kind of the reason the movie is worth talking about. <laughs> so it is. It it's is. also yeah. It's also kind of weird if it was just like another Chuck Norris action movie. I'm sure we might talk about it, <laughs> um, but. It's what makes it like uniquely crazy. <laughs> well, it's funny to me too. Is so they liberate the hostages, and I remember just I distinctly remember thinking like, "Cool, all right, it's the end of the movie." Like uh, <laughs> yeah, Chuck, yeah. Chuck Chuck Norris and Lee Marvin um, go outside. They use rocket launchers and they blow up uh, a convoy of terrorists that are trying inbound to try and defeat them. And like, <laughs> all right, we're at the end of the movie. I pause it to to go get something. Come back. I'm like, there's like 30. twenty. There's like twenty thirty minutes left. Yeah. I'm like, how oh, is yeah. that possible? How yeah. is there still more to go in this? Which I, I also want to give a shout out before we get into that that end. A shout out to uh, which is is why it would make more sense for that to be like the start, like the third act of yeah. Um, in this like raid of the school is the second act, but in this school he. So Norris or McCoy but, um, comes in on the radio room and there's this guy um, calling in for help who calls in all these guys I'm going to kill with the uh, bazooka rocket launcher stuff. Uh, and <laughs> so it's the radio operator guy. So after after Norris kills him, because uh, the guy's like, don't kill me. Like, I got it. And like, Norris is like, shoots him. He's like, loud and clear. <laughs> And it totally works for me. Um, and, and like, and like that's the movie I want this to be. Um, it's an action hero going in with those insane one-liners uh, that are insensitive, but uh, that's, they that's get a little too, they get a little too insensitive when you uh, <laughs> make it such like the terrorist Holocaust drama. Yeah, I think uh, again. If you could break these two movies apart from the first half and the second half, I think it. I think it. You're okay together. It's just like <laughs> it seems like they did when they made it. Uh, they did. I think. I, I think totally. They they certainly broke broken into two different movies. <laughs> um, but that's just, the I, that that's the sequence that stands out to me from this movie when they raid that school and you get Norris doing one liners and you get some other guys like clearing rooms looking for hostages. Um, I was like, that's like, yes, 
this is 80s action movie that I want, baby. Let's go. That's what the whole movie should have been. Is not not an hour of, of, of exposition to try and make yeah make 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 um the backstory work. It just you, you just didn't need all that. Um but to your point, you've got people like George Kennedy, uh Shelley Winters, all that stuff that are they're starring in it. But uh um so that that builds to uh, the the whole team basically going after Abdul and then trying to escape. Uh, I think it's I think they're still in, in Beirut trying to escape. Um, this to me, this is the most GI Joe shit of this entire movie. Yeah. And I love it because the ending, like the last like oh, it's a GI minutes, Joe episode. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 um, you've got and, and we already talked about it a little bit, but. All Delta Force guys are jumping around in these dune buggies with 50 cals on top of them. And they're shooting up, <laughs> you know, shooting up the bad guys. And they're blasting over like these crazy jumps. And you've got all these guys who are shooting like machine guns uh, while they're driving by terrorists. And it just, it feels like a G.I. Joe cartoon. And, I, and it, as a kid in the 80s, you're just like, fuck yeah, this is what I want. This is like, yeah, like peak action. And of course, and you're getting to see it not as a cartoon, so it's like holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and there, I will say that's a that's a really important highlight of this movie is the stunts are all like a lot good, you know. Yeah, especially they spend money scene. making this, and you see it yeah. on the screen. And like on they're, a lot they're, of these they're like, jumping, and, like they're yeah. jumping the dune buggies. They've done these crazy outfitting of of these of the cars or the the dune buggies to like with all these weapons. Um, they're doing these crazy motorcycle jumps. And I think that's where it introduces the the motorcycle with uh, with Norris is you get the um, um, the showdown with Abdul. And what's funny is like Abdul basically like they the Delta Force engages the terrorists and then Abdul just like runs about. Oh, I knocked my mic over. Whoop! Oh, I got too excited <laughs> about this. Um, I, Abdul just runs like. 75 yards away and just hides in a house and it's almost like everybody <laughs> forgot about it it's really weird <laughs> like his his convoy gets taken out and, he, and like him and his mercedes just disappear that you know like literally like spitting distance away from where all this other actions <laughs> taking place and he's acting like all right i made it i escaped delta force i can go hide out in this house i'm safe and i think what is it uh he starts to hear a motorcycle engine yeah <laughs> And and then of course uh, he goes outside and before he can get to his gun, uh, Chuck Norris is just standing out or on his bike out in front, um, poised and, and ready to basically uh, um, go after him. <laughs> and then of course, as soon as he grabs his gun, Chuck Norris begins to circle the building, and all you hear is this motorcycle engine while Robert Forster is just freaking out on the inside. And of course, there's this wonderful wide shot they do within the building. Robert Forster's on one side of the room, and then on the other side of this room, there's this giant stained glass window. Of course, what happens? Uh, our our boy uh, Scotty McCoy jumps through <laughs> on his awesome Suzuki, and then proceeds to beat the shit out of Abdul. <laughs> yep, <laughs> for about five minutes. So, what did you think about this final fight? I I, I thought it was kind of lame. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, there's not. It's just a little too one sided. Um. Which is understandable because it seems like Abdul has been awake for seventy-two straight hours <laughs> managing this like hostage situation. Um, but yeah, it, and then there there just weren't a lot of like stakes in it. You kind of are kind of so it's 
it's like fun our hero being the bad guy it felt a little too like they're really at the point where they're betting they just want to like beat up on abdul and it's like oh it's like no tension like you're supposed to just be excited for this guy to get the shit kicked out of him it's like i guess so he's been a bad guy but like yeah it's it uh, does it it, not as fun as yeah it could be though I, I wish they 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 it had been more of an even match between the two of them, and it, that way I think it would have been more. It, I think it would have been a better, maybe more satisfying payoff of of um that finale. But, but well, yeah, it almost feels cruel from who's supposed to be our hero. <laughs> he just goes in, beats the shit out of this guy, and then kills him. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> well, it's like you even... couldn't have just killed him. <laughs> Right away, if this is what your plan was, or I would argue it's worse than that. It's not even that he kills him. Like, like you said, he beats him up, and then when he goes to get in the car to escape, <laughs> he he kicks the door uh, to the the Mercedes he's in, and then like breaks his arm <laughs> to the point. Like that guy's never <sighs> gonna play piano again. That that was my <laughs> my takeaway. It was like he's he's toast. I mean, I guess. The fact that he's killed by a mortar shell shortly, really not going to play the piano again. But hey, whatever you think, whatever you think. But I, I, I believe that it was the, <laughs> the broken arm, not the mortar, that would cause the problem. That caused the problems. All yeah. right. So uh, we still got some time left in this movie. <laughs> we have twenty minutes left, for better or worse. Because we still get to get the hostages out on this plane, and we still need McCoy to get back to the plane and on it. Uh, and still have. So I hope during the time of the movie, the Abdul has been like in touch off and on with these kind of other terrorist people who support him, but are only willing to like commit so much support to him at times. And it seems like it's some of those people who maybe come in to try to stop the plane at the end of like, oh, now I'm gonna, I don't know, buy in and stop this plane. Like, I, yeah, like didn't quite get what their motivation was to continue this plot because it seemed like they weren't fully in on it uh, yeah <laughs> i um uh, i don't know i i do love the uh this is a fun scene with all the pilots that are they're left on the on the airplane um simply because <laughs> these guys should be completely destroyed as human beings they've been abused by terrorists for well, I mean, you've got the timeline, so I'll, I'll do the timeline to you. But whatever it is, <laughs> several days he's, they've been beat up by yeah. terrorists, and as soon as the uh, Delta Force team breaks onto the into the cockpit, they're like, "Can you get us to another country? Where are we going? Somewhere, somewhere away from here, or, some, or something like that? Some dumb <laughs> shit like that." <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like these guys are always like John Wayne. These guys the are the most badass people in the movie. <laughs> they they haven't slept, or if they have slept, they've been sleeping sitting up. In a small ass stinky and, cockpit for the last yeah, couple of days. Every single one of them has been cool as a cucumber the entire movie. <laughs> like, I think, yeah. So, um, they take off. They we, we we forgot to point this out. It's very important. Butch and or Pete gets shot in the middle of combat, yeah. and he uh, he gets loaded onto the plane. And then, of course, that damn McCoy is always late. So, uh, the plane starts leaving without him. So, I guess. It makes me think that Lee Marvin secretly, like, low-key hates uh, <laughs> McCoy. Like, yeah. Like, ah, fuck that guy. Like, everybody gives him respect. Nobody gives me respect. So I'm just going to dump <laughs> this guy in Lebanon. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it is this this 
like, all right, we're, we got 20 minutes left. We're going to keep going with this. And um, of course, McCoy comes out with the motorcycle. Uh, when he drives through the front gate of the airport, he jumps over a ramp and uses the the mortars on the back of the of the bike to launch in and blow up all of these bad guys. <laughs> and then that precedes him jumping onto the runway and then um, taking out two more terrorist jeeps that are that are shooting at the airplane, uh, preventing <laughs> them from taking off. So um, it's it's fantastic. I I I love how over the top all of this is and, and just um, so, and. I love how the movie stays consistent in the weird tonal swings of it. So <laughs> the Delta Force gets on board and the hot, like they freed the hostages and like they're like, yeah, we did it. All right, we're going home. Like, good work, everybody. And like they like break into the galley of uh, of the plane and they're breaking out butt lights and passing around. And then cut to Pete in the back dying, <laughs> ripping his shirt off, <laughs> trying so- to save his life. <laughs> somber music and it's like i know it's like the music totally never fits with what they're trying to show you and it's like well how do you guys want it do you want the celebration or do you want the <laughs> let's let's all mourn pete or Butch? yeah and i also want to call out pete i don't know if it's from the shooting or something they rip his shirt open man that guy has some, a weird chest rash going on and i'm a little worried about him what conditions he was suffered through shooting this movie <laughs> is it is are you now in all seriousness is that from the makeup or you think it just looks like this terrible it just looks like terrible makeup that or he's got sunburn maybe he's just like awful eczema from (laughs) being in like a dry heat for days and days and days or like maybe they have like tape shit to him at times and they ripped the tape off and now his body is like all red from that like i don't know it did not look (laughs) didn't look healthy uh, did not look good yeah did not look healthy (laughs) fair enough (laughs) I felt bad for the actor because it seemed like he was going through some shit while, while, while shooting this. He was dying. He was actually dying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, our our, our hero, um, Scott Scott McCoy, makes it onto the, the rope ladder, climbs onto the airplane, has his final moment with, um, with uh, Pete or Butch. I'm going to keep <laughs> yeah. saying that. And then he passes away when they realize the hostages have made it. And uh, it's this, <laughs> yeah. it is this weird somber moment moment of the hostages are celebrating. And you, you see a couple of Delta Force members who I feel like shouldn't be back there doing this. They're like having a beer and like singing, singing with the hostages. I'm like, yeah. if your buddy's dying and that's what we're emoting over, make maybe don't show the guy, the the, the Delta yeah. Force guy yeah, who's like, like, oh, like yeah. hey, I killed like a terrorist. Like, all right, let's crack some fucking Bud Lights and let's go back home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're out of here. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, um, way to play it, but well, because it's trying to have us, the audience, have the emotional beats of like Pete, this guy you've been with for a while, dying, and it's like, it's like, but these guys are fucking happy, and I should yeah. celebrate him, like, yeah. And even the Delta Force guy who's drinking in the back, who should be upset, yeah. you know, he looks pretty happy, like he's having a good time. It's a bit of a mixed message, <laughs> which is the entire ending too. When they land in, I think they land. Did they land in Israel or I'm trying to think where the, their their final? Yeah, they land in oh, Israel. Okay. And that's where they, they drop the hostages off. And I think that's such a weird moment again, because you have these people celebrating. You have uh, George Kennedy being reintroduced as a priest. Who's this, this Catholic priest being reintroduced to the nuns that he was separated from when they, they broke up the, the hostages. You have these families that are reunited. Um, you have families who are licking their fingers and putting rings back on. I mean, it's really, 
it's a really important moment. But then it's this very somber music behind uh, Pete's body being unloaded from the plane and being put back on the Delta Four or the U.S. military's um, C-130 to go back home. And it's just like the movie doesn't know how it wants it. The movie wants it both ways. We want to celebrate the victory, but we want to make you. Honestly, it's accurate, uh, though, for this movie. It's ending both movies. (laughs) That's true. A good point. It's an excellent point. (laughs) It it, it it does end both of the movies that are happening at the same time. Like, Ironically, each movie has an opposite ending. The Delta Force movie, <laughs> which ends on a crazy high note of like the good right. cool shit, <laughs> ends on a somber note. And the terrorist uh, um, Holocaust movie is like, oh, starts on a somber good, note like, and yeah. a high note of everybody being rescued. So you're right. It, it it's just these. It's this this nosebleed of a of a of a of a theme on how they want to run this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I hey, all right. Now we're going to talk about the most controversial part between you and me of this movie. Ooh, okay, good. I'm ready. It's gonna. We're going to talk about the score because this is an Alan Silvestri score, and you know, a famous, um, famous a, movie a, composer. Well, and so I, I, I looked it up. Um, I, I'm, I, I by no means am capturing everything when I say this, but this is just kind of around around this same time. So this is '86 when this comes out. The year after this, he does Predator. The year before this, he does Back to the Future. The year before that, he does yeah. Romance in the Stone. He does yeah. Ricochet, um, so, which we talked about the score in that. Lots of respect to him. Lots of respect. He does Stopper, My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, he does Forrest Gump. He does Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. He does a bunch of the Marvel movies in the late 2000s and 2010s. I mean, Al- Alan Silvestri is a name in yeah, music oh, score, or, or movie scores in it, in. I, the last and 40 years. I, I I think to his credit, he saw what this movie was, and so he gave it a G.I. Joe cartoon episode score. And, and I think that's the level of quality this movie score is. According to IMDb, he he only had fifteen thousand dollars to put the score together. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's very accurate. <laughs> and I, I hope people can hear this. I can I get pumped. I can work out this fucking score every day. And I feel like I could run through a brick wall <laughs> to to get I, the, to get it. I appreciate that uh, that you enjoy it, and I, I see it. I get it. It just it just feels like something from an '80s TV cartoon, <laughs> and that's why it's fantastic. That's I, I which I, I, I yeah I love I, the score in this because I, it is it is over the top of the then it's, it's super somber. <laughs> you, you you get it both ways in this, and Silvestri is. <laughs> Um, I mean, the, the IMDb trivia is he got 15,000, so he, he didn't use an orchestra to do this. It was like all electronics and, and synthesizer to make the score. And it, it it feels like if you had like a one man band, this is about as good as you're going to get. And it's like super upbeat. Yeah, I, I credit like, to him. Yeah, he, he it did is, a fantastic job. Because it is. <sighs> I don't want to say it's good, but it works. It works in the movie. And so that's. It's, for that budget, it's impressive to pull off. Yeah, it's it's memorable too. You remember it. Oh, it's been in my head all week. <laughs> I've been like, I played it for my kids. When you texted me earlier tonight, <laughs> you're like, you texted me, hey, are you ready? Are you good for 845 to do the podcast? And I said, yep. And I screenshotted. I was texting you while I was listening to the soundtrack <laughs> with my youngest kid. And they're into it. It's fun, so, man. What, what were his thoughts on it? 
Uh, nothing. He, I mean, he's three. He he was <laughs> he was eating uh, flaming hot Cheetos. That was what he was doing. <laughs> so, oh, my Kelly loves those. The flaming um, hot Cheetos. Yeah, we tried those tonight. Didn't didn't go so hot. <laughs> didn't go. OK, she's a big fan. <laughs> I, I thought they were good. And 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 which Carter, they're fucking expensive. All that yeah, I know expensive. They're like six dollars a bag or something insane like that. So like, we bought one of the small bags for two fifty okay. to, to like like one of the personal bags. Oh, OK. Good and, uh, to good try move. it out. And um Carter's like, my wife bought him from Target for him. He tries them and he or he's like, opens the bag and I'm like, are you gonna eat them? You the whole bag, the whole bag's for you, buddy. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm gonna eat them. He's like, you try one first. And I ate it. And he's like, how is it? And I'm like, it's fine. It's not, you know, it's a little spicy, but it's not that bad. And then he tries it immediately, spits it out, like dumps it on the floor, like spits it out. And he's like, it's too hot. I can't do this. I need milk. I can't do this. I'm like, dude, this is nothing. Like, you're good. Uh, torturing your child with Alan Silvestri scores and hot flame and hot cheetahs. He, he volunteered for it. Um, <laughs> but the, the score, I I love the score in this because it feels it's so canon to me, and it's so low budget but effective, and it's so the swells are so big, and it feels like it's such a pro American <laughs> movie, and it's just like. How could you not I, get behind Delta Force in this? God, God can, damn it. I'm on Chuck Norris' <laughs> side from this music alone. I cannot disagree with any of that. It, it's definitely not the Back to the Future score. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, <laughs> Sylvester's, Sylvester, I think that that's a iconic, I would say iconic score. You know, like uh, this is this is not being mentioned in Alan Sylvester's obituary. <laughs> I think it should be. Wow. In, a po- in, in a positive note, too. Not not like, a, oh, I'm going to make fun of him. <laughs> I legitimately enjoy it. It, it. it reminds me of my childhood because I remember hearing the score and just being like, all right, like, fuck yes. It, yeah. Like, the it's good guys are going to win. great 80s vibes to yeah. it. Of, yeah. It, 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 it's, it hits the emotional beats. So, like, yeah, it's. It's what's fun. hard. It's what's fun, hard though I is, is is no. I you don't have to like it. I I, I just have there's something personally wrong with me because I'm super into this the score. But <laughs> um, it's just it's so big all the time. Whenever like Chuck Norris is on the screen, like the hero music in this is just huge, and I love it. And it's funny because you're right. It it, it doesn't align with any other Sylvester score. Like I've never heard the 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 beats of this and anything else uh, that, that he's done because everything else he's done is such a bigger movie than this <laughs> that this feels like he's slumming it to be in a canon movie, especially at this point in his career. It's almost like it's right before he really takes off. He's like, dude needs a paycheck, and like, yeah, it's like he committed to this before Back to the Future. Yes, exactly. Was, was, and then he's like, oh fuck, <laughs> I gotta like, do this still. Like, like, all right, all right, uh, I signed up yeah. for it. I'm gonna see it through. But yeah, <laughs> um, his career's taking off, and probably didn't need this movie. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's 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 funny how much the score for me makes it of just whenever Chuck Norris is doing something crazy on screen, you've got this this big swell of a Sylvester score behind it, and uh. Um, it's just going big. I, I love it. It's just it's it's peak '80s action movie to me. Um, and I think the next peak is ironically the 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 score from from Predator. That's a year later. Like it's such a yeah. He's big, in his like prime. Of he really is like it's like him and stuff, like, yeah. Michael Kamen are like peak peak '80s at this point. Yeah. No, so all right. All right. 
anything else you want to hit? Let me see. I, I had some notes. I think we touched on most of them. Again, my favorite part of this movie is the Sylvester score. Uh, it's funny to me because we, we've covered so many movies of his already or talked about so many movies of his um, with Ricochet. He did Judge Dredd. Um, I think we talked about the whole political element and that, you know, it's a, it's a interesting challenge of this movie in 2023. We talked about the stunts and I love, I love the, the dirt bike stunts. I love the, the dune buggy stunts. It's and the, I, I really, again, it gets me so into the movie when it's the Chuck Norris in a van and he's leaning out with an Uzi, just spraying uh, uh machine gun fire at, at, at terrorists. So, I feel like we hit all the the big points I really want to touch on. Um, this just has a sweet spot for me is is from from childhood. Of it's not like a great movie, but it, parts of it are a lot of fun as an action movie, and it, it it does feel like it's a it's a foundational element of Chuck Norris's action action movie uh, resume. Yeah, it's got it's got like that that motorcycle's pretty iconic. For an action movie, kind do you of think it, and then it's got? Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's got some fun set pieces as well that do really work uh, for a movie. And so, what I what drives me crazy, the Chuck Norris action movie that is in this might be the best Chuck Norris action movie. It's just also <laughs> got this whole other movie happening as well where it's like well i'd like any given time like maybe i'd rather watch like missing in action or something like just because that's a more consistently themed movie than than what this is but i think this is like some pretty high highs for like the chuck norris action movie uh i don't know genre whatever you want to call that (laughs) Well, like he kind of had his own brand or, you know, at this point, he's not, you know, this is 86. So he's not Stallone and he's not Schwarzenegger, but he did kind of have his own brand where he's, where he's um, clearly figured out a, a, a small piece of the world that he's cut, you know, he's kind of cut out for himself that, that works, but, um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. It's, 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 it's just it's it's a it's a interesting but you know kind of fun microcosm into into what he's able to come up with and what's interesting is he keeps going with canon after this because he does yeah. delta force in 86 firewalker which we we got to cover at some point in uh 80, <laughs> 86 88 he does missing in action 3 he does the hero and the terror <laughs> Um, which also has Steve James in it. And then he does Delta Force 2, the Colombian connection, which we are definitely going to talk about, I, I think, on this run. Um, yeah, I probably need to. <laughs> and then uh, a year before this, which we're also going to cover, I think, on this run, <laughs> he does Invasion <laughs> USA, which is another canon movie, which is which is bananas. Ooh, yeah, but... I forgot about that. We do need to do that. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, fan boats, Russians. That, um, that might be Cubans, my favorite. Chuck and Norris. I think it is movie. my favorite. I think I think that's my favorite Chuck yeah. Norris. It, and that that I have to watch again just to. But that may not be a very controversial statement. That may be a very obvious <laughs> thing to I, say. I I think I think maybe Delta Force. To your point, I think Delta Force is maybe the culmination of the best parts of what Cannon could get out of his his career, and then maybe Invasion USA or even something a little bit earlier than that might be the 
the start of that. Um, yeah, Chuck. No, so I mean, I'm, go ahead. No, I was just I'm just because I'm excited. Delta Force to the Reds. We're getting into the Aaron Norris directing everything that Chuck Norris does. <laughs> oh yeah, his brother. Um, yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. That's one thing I did want to talk about with 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 Delta Force that we didn't touch on. <laughs> If you go through IMDb or you go through Letterboxd and you look at the um, uncredited uh, people for for the the Delta Force operatives, interesting names. Uh, um, you pin, yeah. you point out one of them to me, which was Kevin Dillon, which is uh, Matt Dillon's like brother, front and center in like a somewhat extended scene of like that's how I noticed him. Like he was just like the soldier in the foreground. I was like, holy shit, that's Kevin Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so another one I saw on Letterboxd while we were talking, and it shocked me because I feel like he was he was probably too big of an actor at this point. Apparently, Liam Neeson was one of the one of the other Delta Force operatives. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah just yeah. crazy. Because <laughs> he he should have been bigger at this point, right? Like, I don't think so quite yet. Because he's in, I think he's in Crow around this time too, which is, is he in a that? smaller okay. role. Um, so he's like starting to come up, but yeah, I don't think he's quite. Well, he also obviously, was obviously um, not quite there yet. <laughs> he's also on an episode of um, Miami Vice at this point. Yeah, and... Crow was eighty three. So yeah, to be uncredited, and this is a little surprising because he's working pretty, but he might just be working consistently. So willing to, we'll take whatever we can get to to keep just keep working. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, all right. So we we've talked uh, at length about this <laughs> uh, fantastic patriotic movie, <laughs> uh, Delta Force. What what is your what is your rating for this? I believe I gave it two out of five uh, Hebrew rings being lit by a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a, that's gonna be a tough one to beat. I give it. Um, three out of five. Uh, I I give it three peats out of five butches was my <laughs> my rating because I don't know what the hell that blonde guy's name actually was uh, in this, but uh, I'm gonna believe that he's <laughs> he's he's both characters. I like it. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm looking Pete up Butch. too. Um, uh, Liam Neeson was in an episode of Miami Vice. The same. Same year in '86. So okay, ah, it um, still seems if you're just doing a one-off probably, probably still a pretty, early, show, pretty early. Yeah, you're still kind of yeah, you're still just looking for work. Um, I mean, you're getting you're getting some good, but you're probably not turning stuff down either. Uh, no, no. Um, all right, so we got we it's got a two and a five out of uh, or I'm sorry, two and a three out of five. Um, so what we haven't fully decided. I don't think what this run's gonna be. It's not a bad thing, but um, do you want to touch on on perhaps what we think we're going to watch and maybe how the next couple of weeks will work out and and, and what we think we're going to cover? Because I think we're going for we're trying to we're, we're kind of trying to do a closer on uh, uh, around the Fourth of July for this for this run. So what what do you what do you think's ahead for us? Yeah, so we've talked about doing a kind of Memorial Day to Fourth of July like America run, and I I, I jokingly <laughs> said uh, any. The type of movies where you, your kid would get invited to a birthday party and you'd be talking to another parent and they say, oh, that's my favorite movie. And it feels like a massive red flag. 
So like, someone's like, Delta Force, that's my favorite movie. He'd be like, I don't uh, know about un- this guy. Un- unironically favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I, I just recorded a podcast about the Delta Force. And <laughs> that's alarming that you, you're saying it's your favorite movie. It's a piece of shit. Um, what are you talking about? Except for the score. They made a... <laughs> You know, they made a lot of other movies that, that you might you might like too. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but so but yeah, maybe try to keep going with maybe Delta Force Two, Invasion USA. Um, yep. I, I know we get we could finish out missing in action <laughs> yep. if you wanted to, but yep. then we also talked with uh, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny coming uh, not too long of maybe trying to hit. Uh, some of those movies in preparation for that, or maybe uh, just kind of having a July of Indiana Jones kind of, uh, I don't know. Yep. So yeah, so a little up in the air, but kind of throwing some things around of what we'd, uh, what we'd want to do. Or pornography. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, erotic cakes. I actually kind of think we need to try to record a podcast after watching <laughs> pornography and see how it goes <laughs> just see where no. it leads us and what happens no i think that's a bit, i think what we should do is like watch maybe the specialist because I, I think you were very turned on by the <laughs> sharon stone uh uh slice 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 the, stallone slice God, stallone sharon stone shower floor uh, uh shower scene yeah and or any of the scenes with eric roberts and sharon stone i'm sure that was also equally enjoyable for you you want to talk about a movie that ends tonally weird with music holy shit (laughs) i don't remember that is something man i i know i think it ends at the bad guy's house but it ends like kind of somber yeah for the movie tonally but then like the credits start and it's like it's like Miami, Gloria, Stefan, upbeat, like yeah, Latin that's music. right. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna go party. Does it end with? Does it end with James Woods' character being blown up within Stallone's lair, or is it they go to the bad guy, the, the mob guy? I think guy's they go house. to the bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 it's been a minute. Since, it's probably been about five or ten years since I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> Under understandable. <laughs> uh, but it. I, I would watch that. So if you want to watch, if you want to watch an erotic thriller, we can either do some De Palma, or we can Which, we can do some. That Stallone. is so hilarious because it's taking the Stallone action movie and it's like, well, erotic thrillers are are a big thing right now, so we get to shove that into this <laughs> Stallone well, action movie. My my favorite part is they do a lot of flashbacks in that. Which I don't know why. If I haven't seen this in a long time, why do I re- remember this? But. Good. Um, they have this thing where in the field, it's a flashback to uh, James Woods and it's Sly Stallone. And it's like, James Woods looks like shit. And you're just like, <laughs> Stallone's just like HGH'd out the whole, the whole <laughs> yeah. movie. He's like ripped. And you're like, ah, I'm pretty sure those guys were not in combat together. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't think that actually was how this went. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So, J- James Woods is at a, uh, Travers and cliffhanger level in every scene. <laughs> so that is fun. I um I I can't I think the last James Wood perf- Woods performance I've seen was um uh White House Down where he's playing a a, a a turncoat secret service agent who who hates Jamie Foxx as the president because he sent his son <laughs> into combat. 
it's such a James Woods is a a problematic, I would say, actor at this point in 2023. Uh, yeah, there's some uh, alarming stories about him. Yeah, out there. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to the next one. So we're we're doing this in a little more uh, free form. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with it. I'm excited. Uh, Mike is excited. You can't see it. And you can't hear it. But he looks pretty excited right now. So. <laughs> We're gonna make definitely this shit not, Definitely don't look like it's ten forty-five at night, and I should go to bed. <laughs> That's true. You look fantastic. Def- I do not look like that at all. I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> you look as sprightly as Chuck Norris's mullet in Delta Force. Ooh, it's a and, best compliment I've ever been given, and it will be the best compliment you'll ever receive. So everything's downhill from here. Good night. <sighs>